change the world through education. Each week we bring you a new idea, however big and bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now here's your host and my dad, Ryan Scott. Good evening, Big Ed Idea podcast listeners. Uh, I'm back. It is Ryan Scott coming to you uh, from beautiful Western Kentucky. Um, as we speak, it is the end of June. So uh, affectionately, this is the month that I typically have off. So I have been uh, just loving my time, spending it with my kids, um, doing stuff outside. Um, in fact, we just got back from a wonderful vacation in Perdido Key, Florida. Um, I had the pleasure of taking my three youngest daughters, so it was daddy-daughter time, and we went down there with my mom and dad and had a blast, absolute blast. Um, but I'm so happy to be back tonight um, recording this session. Um, and I've got to say, um, I've only met a couple Renaissance men in my life, um, you know, when they, when they talk about a Renaissance man, that's a guy that kind of, you know, they've got all kinds of different, you know, um, hobbies and normally they're really good at most of them. And so tonight I have got a, I'm going to, I'm just going to say it, a true Renaissance man, um, especially when you listen to his bio. So without further ado, um, I'm going to introduce you to my new friend. His name is Dean Ganey, and he hails from the magical city of Orlando, Florida. Um, he says that he is an educator and a lifelong learner. Um, he is a vet, which is excellent and really cool. He's a veteran of the United States Air Force. He is a singer, songwriter, actor, and the author of five books, he says, but I'm only going to let you know about the of three. Um, if you want to know all five, just check out the show notes because we'll put all those in there. But um, the three I'm going to talk about is the journey to the why and you. That's his first one. Diversity. It's not just about you. It's about us. And his last book we're going to talk about is Disqualified. Uh, so without further ado, the modern day Leonardo da Vinci Dean Ganey. Dean, thank you for joining us. Ryan, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank <laughs> you for having me. Yeah, no, thank you very much for agreeing. Because um, I know, you know, Orlando is a beautiful city. There's there's tons of other things that you could be doing um, on this evening. So I appreciate that you are, you know, giving me the best gift you can, and that's your time. So thank you, man. You got it. <laughs> Um, so the name of the game here on the Big Ed Idea podcast is um, for, for all of those listeners, if you just kind of found us somehow, um, this podcast is all about connecting the vision of one with the passions of another. Um, this podcast really is about just dreaming and dreaming big. And, um, you know, every school I've ever been in, teachers, um, educators, love to sit around and talk about these ideas that they've got for the system. And, you know, I'll be honest, I've been in places where that's not really openly encouraged. So I really wanted to create a podcast where, you know what, we're just going to let people talk. We're uh, just going to let them roll with it. Tell us the idea. And hopefully somebody out there listening gravitates towards that. They hook up and, you know, they start this um, avalanche of momentum and the world has changed because of it. So, um, tonight, like I said, we've got my man, Dean from Orlando and, um, Dean, we always start out by trying to get a whole kind of get to know each other more. Um, I firmly believe in connections before content. So I'm going to give you, um, a second here to plug one of your books, like, uh, tell us about the book that maybe means the most to you, um, now, as a father, I know you don't ever say who's your favorite kid uh, or who's your favorite child, but let's be honest, there's always one. So who or what is that book um, that really means the most? What's it about? And, you know, why, why did you write it? So, of course, that's a hard question, Ryan, but um, I'm going to have to go with book number one and probably um, mostly because that was book number one. Um, I think I think that uh, I didn't know at the time that I was writing it so that it would be a book. I was blogging. I started blogging, I think, in May of 
2015, I believe it was. Oh, wow. Um, and so I tried to blog at least three times a month. Uh, sometimes I was a little off. Sometimes I did more. But um, I had a conversation, and I'm going to do a, just like a quick shout out to uh, EduMatch Publishing, because I had a conversation with um, the founder of EduMatch uh, about several of the topics that I had been writing about. And I thought to myself um, whether or not what I had was of value. Is it something that's worth putting in print? And uh, so I think with a little convincing and um, some extended conversations, I decided to pursue it. Okay, yeah. so that by itself was to me a mile marker for me because I had never done it before. Yeah, okay? right. Um, <laughs> and then number two, you know, I've, I've realized through a lot of the things that I've gone through in my life, um, you know, good or bad, that there was a purpose for it all. And, um, and I would even say probably more of a purpose for the obstacles or the challenges or the things that might look bad from the outside than so much the good things because it revealed something to me. It made me stronger, made me better, it made me see what perhaps I wasn't able to see before. Um, and really uh, become the best version of myself. And I'm not there yet. I think I'm always becoming. Um, but if it wasn't for some of those challenging moments or situations, I think I probably would not be where I am today. So um, therein lies the title and the ambiguity thereof, right? Journey to the why in you. Um, it, it, the why actually identifying the first letter of you. Yeah. But the Y also reflective of W-H-Y. Right, um, right. So there's a little bit of ambiguity there, but I think it's so important for us to, to have a sense of purpose and uh, a sense of understanding as to why we're here and how sometimes the things we go through help us to figure that out. Yeah, oh gosh. Uh, drop mic moment for me. Um, no, I'm definitely putting that on my list to read. Um, I, you know, I don't know about your journey, but but I can definitely relate. Um, my life was not always wonderful. Um, I would dare say, you know, there were moments I didn't want to continue my life. And um, probably if a happy accident happened, didn't happen to me when I was 22, uh, that's when I found out I was going to be a dad. If, if that happy accident hadn't, ha hadn't happened, um, I probably, I know I would not be in a good good spot right now so i firmly believe and i and i firmly believe what you're saying there man that like the obstacles of life um like just shows us who we are meant to be so thank you for writing that i'm definitely going to put it on my list i'm so glad to hear that it's a great book and i think it's timely i think yeah. it's one of those books you can pick up anytime all right all right well all right as we are speaking i'm adding it to my amazon shopping cart um, a, along with like the 10 other books, cause I'm a, I'm a dork. I'm a bibliophile. I always have a book. Um, but you know, that's cool. So the next, uh, kind of segment is called two for two. And that is my opportunity to ask you two random questions, totally unrelated to education. Uh, you never really know what you're going to get. Um, I have tried to not ask the same question twice. And so we are on episode 32. So these questions are from me to you. And so my first question is, just tell us one thing on your bucket list. Wow. Um, <laughs> Listen, so, we're not doing easy here, okay? This is, this yeah. is deep stuff. Um, wow. Um, so I, I guess I should start by saying that I, I, I think I've done uh, a fair few things in my life so far um but i know that there's always more there's always greater and one of the things i've always had a desire to do and uh is to have a nonprofit organization um that is related to mentoring I actually already have the name of it as well so a mentoring organization nonprofit um and so i would I think I would call it the CLIMB crew and CLIMB as in C-L-I-M-B-E um, because if you read the Journey to the YNU chapter two, you kind of learn what that's that's all about. That's my philosophy, you know, of teaching, learning. Um, and I, it just embodies a lot of the things that I do. So I, I would want to start that. And I think um, 
for, for kids, for teenagers, for, for youth and young adults, because I think that, you know, I, that I, when I was that age, would glean a lot from someone who was willing to provide guidance and wisdom and, and direction and empowerment and cultivate me and develop me as a, as a human being and as an individual to really understand the power that uh, I have as an individual and, and also the role that I play as a part of the collective. And so being able to kind of sort of mold um, individuals into that thought process, I think would be so rewarding and fulfilling even more than being an educator. Man, two things there that I've got to tell you. Um, I was for about five years, some of the best five years of my life, I was a mentor uh, for juvenile offenders here through our local uh, drug court. So I got to meet every week with boys um, in the drug court and it was a Christian-based organization, but it was more of, let's just talk. Let's just talk about um, life and, you know, why life sucks sometimes. And um, I always told them, you know, life is the hardest thing you ever got to do. Um, if anybody tells you different, they're on drugs or they're an idiot. Um, but that was just, yes, yes, yes. I love mentoring. And secondly, I also have a dream of a nonprofit. So maybe we can, maybe we can talk one day about, because um, my nonprofit, relates to mentoring um so yeah i love it i love your dreams um next question what are your top three favorite movies oh my gosh um so uh this is also a hard question i've watched a lot of movies um and i'm probably going to sound like a little bit of a dork here um, no no but um i'm a marvel fan so I love everything Marvel. I will tell you that when I watched um, Avengers, um, Endgame, um, and uh, Civil War, I think I got emotional. Well, actually, I don't think I got emotional. I know I did. Um, and so I will, I will boldly admit that because you just become one with those characters after watching so many Marvel movies and to see you know, someone's willing to sacrifice um, their life for the, for the cause and, and to give all they have and to just be all they can be, it stirs me. Um, and so I have to put that out there. So I'm just going to say Marvel as a group, but yeah, yeah, specifically yeah. in game and so forth. Um, I would also have to add uh, as a second movie, um, the um, book by um, Lewis Sakar, Holes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And so very good book and I very good movie. And I don't know why exactly, if there's one thing I could pinpoint in there other than the themes. Um, there's something about seeing, um, seeing people come together that have nothing to do with each other. They, they might come from different cultures. They might come from different places, but there's something that binds them together. And so the idea of friendship that's developed in that book, the idea of perseverance, like to be able to, um, like Stanley has to break the curse over his family. And so he has to get the God's thumb and he has to carry, you know, zero up the, the mountain. And so I believe in perseverance. I believe in the messages that Lewis Sakar included in that book. So that movie was just icing on the cake after I read the book. Nice. Um, let's see the third one. Oh my gosh. Um, First thing that comes to mind. Don't overthink I'm gonna say, it. I'm going to say hidden figures. Okay, yeah, um, we we I, like that one too. And there's a lot of things I can say about that. I mean, the diversity. There's another one that just came to my head. Oh my gosh, uh, and I don't know how I forgot about it. But anyway, the <laughs> diversity that's represented in there, the um, the intellect and hard work, the the tenacity that those women had to be able to pursue um, against all odds, right? Having to walk through um, challenging situations, but unwilling to give up um there's something to be said about that so i'll stop there with those three but like i said there is that other one that i would really love to say um say it, say it. <laughs> so all right here it is it's black panther okay yeah 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 and that's a black great one panther, too i've seen that movie i don't know how many times um and it is and, and and i love chad bozeman uh, may he rest in peace of course um but even a, even in addition to Chadwick Boseman's acting, there's so many other parts of that movie 
that suggests that anything's possible. Um, what, what we desire, what we, what we look for out of life can happen. If we simply just go for it, put our minds to it, there's nothing limiting or stopping us from getting to the point where we need to get other than probably ourselves, right? We yeah. get in our own ways. Yeah, yeah. Very, very good. Yeah, no, those are some great movies. Um, and I've seen them all multiple, multiple times. So I would agree with you. Um, so Dean, what two questions do you have for me? Well, um, my first one is, um, I'm going to start, I'm coming out the gate pretty strong here, I think. Hot and heavy, um, let's do it. And so my question is, what would you identify as the most defining moment in your life? Oh, Lord. Um, unequivocally, it was the birth of my first child. Um, and I know that's cliche, um, but I was in a really bad spot. Drugs, alcohol, severe depression, um, pretty lost. Didn't really know what where I was going, what I was supposed to do, really felt um, insignificant, maybe the word. Um, and I, I can just remember that feeling of becoming a father. Now, it wasn't like this magical aha moment, like I held her in my arms, but I can remember building up to this feeling that life was not all about me anymore. Um, and so because of her, I worked three, sometimes four jobs to finish college, um, raised her pretty much as a single father, and then graduated college at 27. Um, so I would un unequivocally say it was the birth of my oldest daughter, um, who is now, I'm going to cry, but who is now going off to college, and um, daddy's a little weirded out by that. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And so I, I know, um, you know, a lot of times that might seem cliche, but I think that it's it testifies to the fact that it is possible for related or not, um, you know, biologically a child or maybe it's your long lost brother that you never knew. Um, but it testifies to the fact that someone right the presence of someone that you can um, you can be proud of you can um, connect with and help raise or develop or develop each other can really make a difference in, in your life. Um, and so that, that testifies to that. I think that's powerful, um, cliche or not. <laughs> um, so thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah definitely. So uh, my second question, um, so I know that there are times in all of our lives where we face uh, challenges that sometimes seem insurmountable. Um, we face hard, hard times. Uh, and so I know because I am a singer and a, a slash songwriter, um, music has been a great, um, a, a great thing uh, to uplift, um, uh, uplift me and others in times of adversity. So what would you identify as, I'm gonna ask you of three or three as well, what three songs um, stir you, uplift you, or have you found to be um, encouraging during challenging times? Okay, so um, I can remember the song that played when I brought her home, and it was Stevie Wonder, Isn't She Lovely? Um, that song still to this day reminds me of my oldest daughter. Um, there is a song by Lupe Fiasco called um, Kick Push. So it's really cool because it's a hip hop artist who's talking about skateboarding, uh, which I just think is awesome because it blends all these different genres. Um, and so you're looking for a song about adversity that helps or that, me. Or that encouraged you, oh, okay. made you feel good. Okay, so um, let's see. I'm going to have to listen. This is going to be cliche as well. Um, the Beatles, Here Comes the Sun. Oh, good. Um, yeah, or maybe, okay. Can I erase that one? Sure, go ahead. Okay, so John Lennon, Imagine. 
Um, there, there is a quote, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one someday. I hope you'll join us in the world. We'll live as one. Um, that quote kind of brought my wife and I together. She's a social worker. I, I'm a teacher. So we both have this, um, we want to change the world mentality. Um, and it's also a really beautiful song to play on the piano. Um, so, yeah. So interesting. You, what you just said reminded me of a quote by Albus Dumbledore from Harry Potter. <laughs> yes. and, um, and he says, though we may come from different places and we may speak with different tongues, our hearts beat as one. And every time I hear someone speaking about making change and um, the understanding that there, there is a tightly woven fabric uh, to which we can all fit somewhere in it, uh, it just gives me chills. And so I just had to say that because um, right now I think I have chills in my arms. Um, <clears throat> so that's awesome. And so I, yeah, those are all great songs. I love Stevie Wonder for so many reasons. Um, and then imagine, <laughs> just imagine that just the idea of, that you're putting someone in a, a space to be able to think or to contemplate about something, to wonder. I think that's yeah. so awesome. Yeah, but at my house, um, there is really not, other than maybe country, because I don't really listen to country, there is not any genre of music that that um, we do not listen to around the house. Um, I wash dishes to classical music. Um, I cook, I, I like to cook to uh, Leon Bridges, because I love oh. that, that Motown sound. Yes. Um, but then in the mornings when I'm in the gym at five in the morning, like I'm listening to, um, Biggie <laughs> Jurassic five, but then I'll, but then I'll throw in some like corn and I just love music. I love the way it makes me feel. I love, um, the way it brings back memories. Um, you can remember so much about your life based on, you know, music. So, and I, I tend to think that you can there's something to gain from all types of music too. Sure. Right? Just like books, we, we, we may not, we may limit ourselves by not reading those different types of books. We, we sort of limit ourselves from gaining what that has to offer us. Even if it, we learn that, oh, it's not my favorite kind, but it still has something. Absolutely. It can still stir some emotions. Sure, sure. And uh, yes, I'm gonna leave that alone because as you well know, I'm a singer at heart. And so there's always, there's always something that's, that's on my mind. And so those, this conversation is definitely. And I sing all the time, not very well, but I sing and I, <laughs> and I play music. So yeah, I totally get it. What do you play? So, um, I play the banjo. I play the piano. Um, I used to play the drum set. Um, I had a, a punk. Well, it wasn't really a punk band. It was, three guys that got together in my apartment and we played as loud and as hard as we could. And then, um, in high school, I played the trumpet. Man, that's amazing. You're, you're, you're very versatile in the, in the uh, instrument, uh, instrument, I'll say industry or idea. That's awesome. I, um, I played in, in, in the band in high school. And so I was on the alto saxophone, the oh, bass sweet, clarinet sweet. and the bass clarinet. Sweet. All the same fingerings, of course. Very cool. So, Dean, um, it's very obvious that you and me could talk about shared connections and um, subject matter all stinking night. Um, but I feel like I need to bring us back to the purpose um, of this podcast. Not that I want to, um, but I'm afraid if we didn't, this would probably last two or three hours, um, which is really hard to get um onto a podcast so i want to go ahead and let's get back into this education realm and so um we kind of alluded to you know past and purpose and um so i'm, I'm really interested in how did education find dean oh well um <clears throat> so i've told this uh little sort of story a, a few times and i and I think it almost sounds cliche too that if I would say that I've always known that this is something that I would be doing. Um, but the reason why I feel like I've always known it is because of 
what happened uh, during my first grade year. First grade year of uh, elementary school, I had a teacher who was more concerned about my character than she was about the curriculum. Sounds like uh, a great think, teacher. Yeah, I think my character came first, um, but then she utilized the content to help mold and form and build my character. And every year after her class, I would go back to help her. Just, is there anything that I can do to help you? Um, and I do mean every year, all the way up until I graduated high school. Oh, wow. Um, and so as a, as a bonus, I ended up with like the second highest number of community service hours, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> she, she was very inspiring to the, to the degree that it made me want to go back and do what I could to help her in return. Um, <clears throat> and so I follow, I followed the path all the way to college and I, I mean, I've loved engineering. So that was always in my head. But for some reason, I knew that I was headed to education and that would be, it was because of her example. It was because of the length she went to to ensure that um, I had a good foundation from the very beginning so that I can then um, be successful um, where I am. And uh, I guess you can say the rest is history because now we're 16 years in and I don't even believe it. I don't even know how that became, <laughs> became true. 16 years is crazy. So um, did this teacher um, know your feelings towards her? Um, I would say yes. I mean, in my own way, I think I was able to communicate that. I think my actions probably spoke much louder than my words ever could. Is she um, still because, here on earth? Uh, she recently uh, passed away. Um, but, uh, she, you know, I, there, I don't know, there was just something about the way that she managed everything. She, you know, my mom has all had, had always been there, you know? So I, I, it was kind of like, she, she took that little extra, um, extra, extra step to ensure that I had everything that I needed to have. And so it, it meant a lot to me. And I think that, that is the, the sole reason why I was able to sort of go through my K-12 years with that in my head, like, okay, I need to, I want to be able to, yeah. right? I want to do that. Right. Something like what she did for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, um, I think educators are the only like immortal professions because like long after we're gone, you know, if we, we can really make the mark and kids and parents can talk about us and you know the you know whatever um we changed the world and and that's cliche as hell but i don't care because um there is not another profession that i believe can affect as much change as education and so um you were a pretty lucky guy to have that young lady whatever 25 years ago um <laughs> If she is listening from up above, thank you for uh, sparking my my friend Dean to get into this gig. Um, so Dean, I I kind of think I know where this conversation is going to lead as far as your ideas and stuff. I can just you know piecing together you. Now I know you. I know your heart. But I want to know, and I want my, our listeners to know, what do you think is this or the what is the problem in education? Um, that you see kind of needing your ideas? Well, <clears throat> this was a nice segue, I have to tell you. And you probably, like you said, you know what I'm going to say. Um, I believe that education is so much more than what you find in a book. It's so much more than what you plan in a plan book. I'm raising it's the so roof. so much more <laughs> than the subject area content. And I would even say it's always been more than that. Yeah. However, um, for whatever the reason is, we've not been able to actualize that in classrooms across our country or in across the state of Florida. Um, and I always, I've always taught with, and Martin Luther King said it, right? He said, intelligent, 
plus character. Plus that character. That's the true That's right. goal of education, right? And so it's it's good to have understanding. It's good to have knowledge. Um, but knowledge without character, well, what am I going to do with that knowledge yep. if I don't have character or integrity or honesty or um, the fidelity in which to deliver that knowledge? And so there's so many things that I think have come up short in education because we've lost our focus on building up the individual because at the end of the day, it's about the student, right? Not necessarily this scripted content that we are supposed to get ourselves through. And I will tell you, uh, Ryan, I've had days in the classroom, I can remember several of them uh, like they happened yesterday, um, that I would break away from my intended um activity that day obviously you know we plan we have this idea of where we would like to get to but one of my statements i like to make is lesson plans do not always go as planned i say it all the time and um <clears throat> and i think that that's so important because it puts the emphasis back on the student and they should be the ones that are driving what's happening in the classroom at that present time and i've tried to make sure i do that as a teacher um, on a daily basis, because you never know what they need. And so you get inside of that environment and you're sensitive, to, you're sensing what's going on, you're having conversations, you're kind of checking in with them and they're checking in with you. And you just kind of sense that something is off or you sense that there's something that, that needs to happen or there's a shift that needs to happen. And I go with it. I, I, I promise you that there are tangents that I will go on and I will say to myself, man, I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> it's the very thing that was necessary. And I will go a step further, Ryan, and say that more was accomplished in those moments than was during the times where I stayed to the script. I teach drama as well. And so what do I know? I know that there is a script in drama. I know that it's important to uh, at least try to adhere to uh, the general understanding of what's being delivered on that script. However, there's something that happens when you really own who you are as a character in that in that uh, in that play or in that drama, and it becomes your own, where you're able to take it that little step further. And so that's kind of where I see it. It's all about character. Um, it's all about character for me, first, um, or maybe at the same time as the intelligence. I want both. And I just, I think that that's going to help my students to climb, C-L-I-M-B-E, I completely, completely agree with you. Um, man, completely agree with you. Um, I think one thing this pandemic has shown us is that um, if education is only about the content, then computers can do that. But kind of like you are saying, a computer is never going to be able to teach those life lessons to our kids that that they sorely need um, and I would even go a step further now now with the advent of Google and the advent of machine intelligence and stuff it's not about content anymore because all a kid has to be able to do is Google it or hey Alexa or hey Google it's not about the content anymore it is about creating citizens that can then use that content hopefully to affect some type of change at the local level state level um i'll, I'll tell you a, a funny really funny story i taught kindergarten for a spell um and it was my most favorite grade i've ever taught and the most important things i taught those kindergarten kids had nothing to do with the curriculum it had to do with teaching my kindergarten kids how to pay attention that is not in the curriculum but i promise you if you don't take the time to teach a kid how to pay attention because that is not something they just pick up on their own right we taught kids um you know how to regulate their emotions um you know i taught kids we would do community circles and we would talk about giving um compliments and receiving a comp compliments you know, that is the type of stuff. And I like to really talk about who do our kids spend the most time with every day? It is the teacher. And we are in a society now where, and maybe this is 
maybe this is controversial, but our parents don't really have the time anymore to um, teach those life lessons to kids that they used to. And so if educators don't step up and do that, and if character isn't more of a focus, we're going to just keep on keeping on the way we are where um, it is such a polarized environment that no one can ever get together and solve these problems that we need to solve. So I totally agree with you that character should come first. So my big question for you then, so if we both agree that character needs to come first, um, I like to say connections before content. Um, I like to say psychology before pedagogy. Um, what's your idea? What are we going to do? Um, well, I, I think that there might be some reflection that's necessary. Um, and I think that when I look back over the year that just ended, even though there are so many things going on uh, during that school year, I asked myself a few questions. What went really well this year? You know, what, what can I pinpoint that was, was really good despite all of the challenges that we faced? Um, and then I'll ask myself the really tough question. What went wrong or what didn't go as well as it could have gone? What could I have changed? Um, and so when I, when, I, when I look back over this year in particular, one of the things that I've even gotten feedback from uh, my students about uh, was how I was able to cultivate an environment that they wanted to be in. Um, and so it, it's interesting, how do you do that, right? And I don't believe there's one answer for that because I believe that the environment should always be with the students in mind to cultivate an environment for your students that you have in that room at that time. And I think <clears throat> um, one, the reason why I think that they were so successful this year despite the challenges was because they felt like this was a place that I can be vulnerable. This is a place where I feel like I can learn. And this is actually a place that I don't want to leave, yeah. you know? And, and, and so certainly not to sound braggadocious or anything, but to have students asking me if they could come back to my classroom during another period of the day, or can I just stay here um, speaks volumes to um the, the motivation and the willingness that they had to engage uh, in this kind of environment. So that begs the question, how, why, how do we create environments where students can, can feel compelled to be the best version of themselves, to be compelled to lend their ear to what you have to say, whether it be redirection or encouragement or empowerment they're willing to listen to you because they, they are inside of an environment where they feel safe. And they feel loved. I'm not afraid of that Absolutely. four letter word. I tell my kids, I tell Absolutely. my high school kids, my high school kids, I tell them every day, I love you. And, you know, I don't see anything wrong with that. I want my kids to know I love them. Right. And it's certainly a whole lot better than the alternative. Right. And so, you know, I, I, maybe that's not said enough. Um, and maybe it's become, you know, such a word that, you know, certain people may take for granted. And so they, they, you know, they don't necessarily throw it around and there's a lot of unbelief, like when you say it, but I believe that the world needs more of that. Um, I wrote a song called What If, right? And what if is all about putting others before yourself and uh, tapping into um, genuine actions and um, thinking about how you can help somebody else. Um, and so when you do those kinds of things, it really takes your mind off of whatever it is that you're, you know, dealing with because you're more concerned about trying to help somebody else uh, in their situations. Yeah, yeah. So I believe in it wholeheartedly. So, and this is a question just popped in my mind. Do you think that because I've went both ways on this question. Do you think you can teach somebody how to create that type of environment? Or do you think it's kind of like an innate, like something you have or you don't have? Well, I think, 
I think because of my experience and because I've taken risks to be able to cultivate that, I can certainly model what that looks yes. like in my own classroom with my students, but it's not gonna look the same way in somebody else's classroom, partly because they're a totally different person. Than sure, them, sure. Right? But then they're gonna also have totally different students and they're gonna structure their classrooms uh, in different ways. But I believe that it is still possible for a classroom environment to be cultivated where students feel loved, safe, and eager to be able to um, be successful in there. And I think that there's a lot that can be gleaned from seeing what that looks like. Yeah. And you can feel it. You know, when you go in a classroom, you can feel oh, yeah. uh, oh, what, yeah. what, that, what, that, what that is. And then you can even take away from that. So I think it's a modeling effort, but I also believe that it is possible for any teacher to be able to gain the ability uh, to be able to cultivate a school or classroom environment such as that. Excellent. Excellent. Um, you know, I used to, I used to really be against um, alt cert um, teachers. Um, like, and I don't know why other than like, I had this feeling, well, they didn't go through the process to be the teacher, how, you know, but then I really got to see um, and I think I really got to see it in our tech school where these people that didn't have any formal, like their undergrad was not in education. It was like welding or something. And then we hired them into the school. And what I was able to see is that like some of the best people that I've seen that can connect with their kids didn't learn the pedagogy per se. They came into the business with the heart. You know what I mean? Um, so I will say any day, like, like you give me a, give me somebody off the street that can connect with a kid. And I guarantee you that those kids are going to learn. I would second that motion because you set the heart. And at the end of the day, if that's what you're pushing, then that's going to uh, end up getting students to go a whole lot further than any amount of content that you're going to try to shut down. Yep. Yep. And that's why I say psychology before pedagogy. Um, I mean, pedagogy is important. You know, I don't want to, if anybody out there is curriculum specialist and, you know, that's your job to, to study the curriculum and teach I'm not trying to devalue that. Um, I'm just saying, looking through my lens, um, we have an epidemic of learned helplessness. We have um, a lot of students and I would say even adults um, without a growth mindset. And so I really feel like a purpose of school and a purpose of a classroom should be uh, kind of like a coach, you know, how are you motivating those kids to do the absolute best? How can they, um, how can they get to a spot where they want to take risks? Um, sure. Um, sure. You know? And you know what Maslow said, and it, we've heard it many times, right? They, students do not care how much you know until they know how much you care and they have to know you know they have to know and so I'm going to let them know I care about you I care about your learning um and but I'm also going to throw in the piece of there's there's accountability right Tough love I'm holding you accountable yep. so they're not without that but at the same time I want them to understand that this everything I do in this classroom, it's not about me. Yeah. You know, it's really for the benefit of me as a student. Absolutely, man. So um, I want to, I want to give our listeners something tangible that they can walk away uh, with this episode because we've, gosh, we've went deep and I love it. Um, I always told my kindergartners um, that you would know when I was happy because my, my arms would be goosebumped. And I've got to say for about 15 minutes now, I've had goosebumps on my arms because I love talking about this, this subject. Um, but I, like I said, I want to leave my listeners with something to walk away with. So if you were to say three things that you do in your classroom to kind of cultivate that type of atmosphere, let us know what are those three things that, you know, I could do tomorrow in my classroom. Well, I think that um, it's important to model or lead what you want to see. Lead what you want to see. Um, and so um, 
what do I mean by that? I think that if I want to see my students be able to do whatever this thing is, I have to be able to do it myself. I have to be willing uh, to show them what that looks like. So um, that may not necessarily mean content. Right. That could also mean something. It could be a social skill yeah. that I'm going to model. It could be a um, um, uh, organizational technique that I want them to be able to learn how to do. So I'm going to show them that I can do that as well. I think there's a there's much to be said for not taking for granted the opportunities for you to show a vulnerability in the classroom, so that that's an opportunity for them to learn. Um, second thing I will say is empower. The E and climb, right? C-L-I-M-B-E, empower is such an important part of my class. Um, it's not an end-all be-all. It's not the ultimate thing. It's all along the way. I'm yes, empowering yes. students. And so what does that look like? Well, I think it's important to connect what you're doing in that classroom to something that is relevant to their life. Amen. Or it's not worth right? learning. Right. And so a lot of times I think that, that, that the reason why certain things happen in the classroom, um, whether it's boredom or whether it's tapping out or whether it's disconnection or whatever, is that they don't necessarily see the relevance in what the learning is. And so if you can connect that to something, and I have started doing this all the time, that it's almost habit now that I'll say, well, how does this, how, why is this important in real life? What, what's the relevance of this? And so I will ask the question and I'll kind of it might be some discussion about it, but then I'll go and lead them to the idea that, oh, well, this might be usable in this particular field of uh, uh, this career that you might want to go into, right? And so I give them an opportunity to see the carryover. And I think that's so important because that, that's why we're doing it in the first place, because we're trying to live our lives and be good citizens and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, so that was the second one. And I was, I'm, I'm talking a lot about these, I guess. No, um, number three... Number three, um, I think there's, there's a certain magic, and I use magic for lack of a better term, that happens when you can put, put a thought in a student's head. Imagine if, right, you become the motivational speaker, you become the person that um, is able to, um, I, I, I want to call it pin drop moments, and they are so unplanned. So it's hard to kind of put this in words other than being open to getting off the script. Yes. Be open to get off the script because those are the most transformative moments in the classroom when you realize that it's about your students and you're not so much concerned about whether or not you have to push that lesson back to the next day or whatever it is. Maybe it's gonna come a different way than you plan for it to come, but it's gonna have a much more monumental impact because you were open to it. And those are three powerful, shoo, model what you wanna see, empower them and get off the script. That's great, man. That's great work. Um, man, it's making me miss the classroom. I'm going to tell you. Um, that <laughs> Come was on one of the, back. Come on yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I still get to teach Sunday school every once in a while at church. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm kicking around the idea um, of because I'm a firm believer in phonics and I love teaching kids to read using old school 1970s phonics. So I know there's some high school kids that don't know how to read. So I'm kicking around the idea of uh, a voluntary type of class that I would teach for some of my students. Um, so, yeah, I love it. Oh, man, that's a great episode. Um, I'm going to start winding us down. I just want to say, um, Dean, it has been it's wonderful. Number one, it's wonderful to meet people that share crazy ideas like I do. Um, that, you know, we are crazy enough to believe that what we do is important, that what we do matters, that what we do literally changes the world, not like world earthwise, but changes the world of our kids. Um, and, and it's, and it sounds crazy, but it's not crazy that education is so much more than about the textbooks, which we don't use textbooks anymore, but so much more about the content and so much 
so much. Whoo, I just love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me tonight. It has been my pleasure. Yeah. So if there's anybody out there that wants to get in hold of Dean um, and talk about some of these ideas or maybe wants to um, hear more of your CLIMB acronym, um, how can they get a hold of you? Well, um, I'm on Twitter, um, Dean underscore Ganey. I can be reached um, on Instagram. Um, I'm at teach teacher. So that's T-E-A-C-H-T-E-A-C-H-A-A. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can contact me on my website, DeanGainey.com. Um, and of course you can, I mean, my email stuff is email access information, I think is on the website too. So either of those items would be great and feel free to check out any of those books that are on Amazon. Yeah. So anybody out there that wants to get a hold of a true Renaissance man and, uh, wants to talk shop about education and, uh, you know, some heartfelt discussion, get a hold of my man. Um, so Dean, I'm going to close us tonight with a quote on dreaming because that's kind of how I like to roll every night. Um, so the biggest adventure you can take is to live the life of your dreams. So with that, Dean, thank you. Thank you. Guests of the Big Ed Idea podcast listeners, um, thank you once again for joining me. Thank you for spending your time with Dean and I tonight. We sincerely appreciate it. Um, we love you all. We don't say that enough. If there's anything that I can do for you, or if you want to reach out and chat, or if you have an, a big ed idea, please reach out to me. Have a wonderful evening. And as I love to say, I'll see you in the funny paper. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper.